0: Blog TALK RADIO
1: Los well, Angeles County Sheriff Lee Baca said this week he may close at least part of the L.A. County Men's Central Jail, the country's largest jail, in the face of allegations of abuse. Ben Tracy has the details, and we caution you,
2: some of the images may be difficult to watch. I'm um, gasping for air, telling him to stop, I can't breathe. Gabriel Carrillo was not an inmate. He was visiting his brother at the Los Angeles Men's Central Jail. Even so, he says deputies took him into an interrogation room because he had a cell phone, a violation of visitor rules. He alleges deputies handcuffed him and beat him. I was in tremendous pain. Uh, I blacked out to a point where I was awoken to more punches to my head, where my head's bouncing off the floor. He looked so bad, even his girlfriend did not recognize him. They passed right in front of me, didn't even stop. Carrillo's attorney, Ron Kaye, has filed a federal civil rights lawsuit.
3: There is no jail in the United States that has this pattern of misconduct, of abuse and of, of essentially sadism that the L.A. County Jail has.
2: Many of those accusing the deputies of assaulting them are not convicted felons. They're here waiting for a court date unable to post bail. The FBI is investigating and the ACLU has filed a lawsuit accusing the sheriff of ignoring inmate abuse. The 72 sworn statements in the ACLU's lawsuit paint a grim picture. Deputies slamming inmates' heads against the wall, dislocating an inmate's shoulder, and pressing a key into an inmate's arms, leaving puncture wounds. Photos gathered by the ACLU show gashes on inmates' foreheads, broken teeth, and bruising.
4: It's huge. It's a huge problem. We get lots and lots of letters and phone calls from inmates themselves and also from family members.
2: Esther Lim is jail monitor for the ACLU and says she witnessed one of the beatings. While conducting a jail interview, she says she looked out the window and saw two deputies punching a non-responsive inmate.
4: And later they take out their taser and they tase this guy who is, again, not fighting, not moving. And he looks to me like he's not, he's, he's unconscious.
2: At a press conference this week, L.A. County Sheriff Lee Baca disputed allegations that he's not properly handling the alleged abuse. We are literally in, in a reformation of how we do business when it comes to the use of force. He said he's even considering closing at least part of the jail, but not because he's being pressured.
5: We're not talking here about uh,
6: all of a sudden we're been, we've been put in a corner. We've always believed in forward thinking in the sheriff's department. As long as I'm the sheriff of this county, we're going to always be creative and forward thinking. Baca has been
2: sheriff for 13 years. Allegations of abuse have been ongoing since the 1970s. The sheriff gave no timeline as to when any shutdown of his lockup may happen. Ben Tracy, CBS News, Los Angeles.
7: Welcome in tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You've arrived at AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And I'll tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we deal with an issue that is troubling and will cause you to take pause and ask the question, what in the world is going on in America's jails? Tonight, AJC Radio visits the abuse, the cruelty in America's not prisons, county jail where justice is being awaited by many But abuse is the dominant factor. Hang on, folks, to your seats. AJC Radio takes a very disturbing look into America's abuse in America's jail systems. Hang on to your seats, folks. AJC Radio kicks off right now. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Thank you for joining us, all the folks around America and around the world, for tuning in to AJC Radio tonight. I am Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt, and the entire AJC radio team. We welcome you to the program tonight. And, folks, this is going to be a humdinger. Cliff, we were talking uh, prior to the kickoff of this show tonight. Uh, it's going to be a humdinger with the abuse, if you will, uh, that's going on in this country right now in, a, in county jails everywhere. Yeah,
8: I mean, that clip that we just heard about, L.A. County. Uh- I mean it has been at least i mean i'm 45 i grew up in la i know when i was a kid this is the same type of stuff that's been that was reported about the sheriff's office the the jail you know the police department for whole la county and i am just uh i guess not really in shock that i think that it's still going on but it needs to be handled and and uh you know sheriff Baca. You know, I just say he need, he needs to go find another job because yep. he is part of the uh, of the tradition of abuse in LA County.
0: Well,
7: there you have it. And tonight we're going to be joined by a very special guest, Jamie Noel. He's the sheriff of Clark County Jail, uh, and he is the he is actually the creator of the A and E program called 60 Days In, uh, where uh, actually people have the opportunity to go in undercover. People that's never been in trouble with the law, they go into these jails uh, to see exactly what is going on in our jail system. And this sheriff, I had an opportunity to talk to him this morning, and what a, what a patriot looking. We talk about the problems that are facing America right now, but he seems to be part of the solution and offering those solutions to how we can get those things better. going to be a great time. We're also going to be joined by uh, Donetta Robinson Scott uh, she's also the, she is the mother of Sergeant James Browncliff, who we talked about last week. We'll go a little bit into that. The sergeant, the veteran that was murdered right. in custody uh, in county jail, and uh, basically was there to serve about three or four days. My understanding was uh, four to five days, I think, for some DUI or some type of thing that he needed to go uh, in there for. And he he didn't he never came out alive of that prison. We're going to be joined by her at the at the uh, top of the hour. Uh, The Sheriff, uh, Jamie Noel will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Lisa, do the disclaimer for our listeners, please.
9: Yes, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. You want to contact your personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend some of your evening with us.
7: And thank you, Lisa, for that. We're also going to be – there is an actual story, Dennis. Actually, here uh, we have found a, a, up to about a year ago a Colorado Springs man here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, talked about the abuse that he took in El Paso County Jail here in Colorado Springs. Uh, we have tried made an attempt to actually locate him. We were not successful with that. But you're going to hear from him on, on a clip that we was able to to, to find. You would not believe the things that are going on uh, in the good old quiet town of Colorado Springs. Abuse is happening here as well. And, again, my thought is, as Cliff, you were talking, uh, there needs to be federal uh, accountability. There needs to be a check and balance system to our jail because you don't have that right now. Everybody kind of basically uh, protects its own little community, and nobody is held accountable that is a major problem. People are dying in jail. And here's the kicker: when you go to county jail, you are I understand this, and I mean no pun intended. You are presumed innocent when you go to county jail. Yeah, and that's the thing. I
8: mean, you're talking about people who, you know, they may have been arrested, uh, may have a DUI, and may not have been able to bail themselves out. They haven't been charged with anything. You haven't been charged with a crime. You're just waiting, like, okay, well, I spent the night here. I uh, gotta go before the judge. See when my court date. See if I'm be released yeah. on my own recognizance or whatever. And you get abuses like I am not even convicted of committing crime. And and not to say that you know people that's justification. Who, right. That. There's no justification for that. But uh, I think that you're right. Is that there needs to be some type of accountability. I mean, the, the governor of each state needs to say, hey, over these counties, we need to put some type of over. There needs to be overwatch because. That's right. You have things that happen, and uh, just like, I mean, when you have someone from the ACLU is at your jail visiting and saying, okay, we're here to investigate reports of abuse, and you have your officers out there in the yard beating somebody down unconscious, that is insane, and the fact that that, that they have not been brought to justice is uh, as insane or well, worse when yeah. obviously it happens.
7: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, on one of the clips we pulled for tonight, the gentleman, the black, uh, the... Big, big, huge guy, looked like a bodybuilder of some sort, came into the sitting area of the where inmates sit when they're being processed into the county jail. Uh, Again, you you can go to county jail for an accusation. Right. Not being convicted, you have been accused of something. Doesn't mean you're guilty. And if you were guilty, you still don't have the right to assault someone. Exactly. And this particular officer beat this young boy, blood all on the floor, his shirt was bloody. And nobody is doing anything, seeing this this happen. This cannot happen in America, and something needs to be done uh, at the level. Again, we talk about it all the time. People say all the time, we have the best criminal justice. Wake up! We do not have the best criminal justice system in the world. We have the worst. The worst. You can say what you want. You may or may not agree with that. It's high time that we take a look in the mirror as the American, as America and say, okay, who can regulate this garbage? Who can stop the body bags from being filled? How do you go into a police station with an arrest and, and end up hanging from a jail cell? That's, that, that just does not make any sense. Dennis, your thoughts on that? It's just crazy. Uh, it's, it's an abuse of power and that's the problem with our our, our 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 justice system. You give you give people all this power to do whatever they want. Believe me, it's going to get out of control. If there's if there's no one there if there's no controls, if there's no accountability for, you know, you abusing someone or doing something, I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse until we say enough is enough. You are not going to mistreat people. First of all, like you said Lamont they haven't even been accused yet. They, they, they're just in prison for some reason or other. And I tell you, it's getting out of hand. And if we don't start saying enough is enough, it's going to continue to get worse and worse. Yeah, and make it clear, you know, county jail is when somebody picks up the phone and says, someone did this to me or this happened to me. It's an accusation. The worst, at the most, they've been accused of something. but Nothing's been proven. Due process has not been uh, put in place. And the saying is, you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. That's a bunch of hogwash. I don't, I don't see that no boy. You no, know, that's a, yeah. bunch of ho- yeah. a bunch of hogwash, but the problem is, that's, the con- that's what county jail is for. It's not prison. Prison is when you've been convicted and sentenced. County jail is when you simply have been accused of something, and you have a right to declare not guilty or guilty exactly. or whatever. So... Uh, this is out of control, and I don't think everybody apparently is not capable of wearing a badge. Uh, the Colorado Springs situation here at the El Paso County Sheriff's Office uh, had an issue on the clip with this young man uh, that you're going to hear later in this program. Uh, the gentleman, and I was sharing this uh, earlier or later to, early today or last night, this particular sheriff was actually, in, when I was actually wrongly uh, convicted, but went to county jail doing my process of being wrongfully convicted. Uh, this particular sheriff was known for he had actually pepper sprayed a guy in his mouth down his throat. Wow. And the, and the, guy, the inmate died, suffocated to death, God. of course. He's still there because on this video that's a year old, he's at the forefront of the line abusing this guy. Wow. And when, when I walked in, when I was in county jail, they said to me, Lamont, you know who that is? Uh, he's the one that, that suffocated or choked that guy uh, with, with pepper spray down his throat. They know better than that. Wow! You're not supposed to do that. And uh, what the, uh, you know what his punishment was? They took all of his pepper spray and all his little utensils off his belt and said he couldn't have it. What about that young man that suffocated and to death and life. lost his life and the family members that had to deal with that loss? Uncomprehendable of the garbage. And now, you know, El Paso County Sheriff's uh, Office, uh, you know, they say in Colorado Springs, well, we, it's a really quiet nice community there is corruption everywhere you go and the fact that that sheriff has a job and is not in custody in a prison somewhere is a problem exactly and it speaks in my opinion to the cover-up of corruption in this community as well as all these other communities across this country something he is still employed there after taking a life. wow that is uncomprehendable to me you can like that or not ajc radio will not back down from issues of Injustice, that is what we do. Uh, if you want to go, uh, join into the conversation of this program tonight, feel free to call three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six that's three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six. We would love to hear your thoughts on this as we get into this show because uh, I tell you what anybody can get picked up and taken to county jail. The fact that we need to expose the dangers and the corruption and the abuse and the cruelty in county jail. You may get pulled on for a traffic ticket, and they may show a warrant for your arrest you know nothing about, whether it's missing court, maybe you didn't, didn't know you had a court date and you missed a court date. You're going into a place in these county dead. jails that you can end up dead. Nobody wants to expose that issue. AJC right. Radio will expose it tonight. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be getting into all of that, folks. Again, feel free to call. Also, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to ask you tonight, we sent out a very special plea to go to change.org. Uh, type in IRP6 and sign the petition as we have asked for President Obama to grant clemency to the patriots of America, the IRP6. Who are they? David Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. We'll get more into that as we, uh, later into the program, begin to discuss uh, what you didn't know about the IRP6 story. The huge injustices that happened with these men is uncomprehendable. Um, Cliff, we talk about this every week. The story continues to grow about these six men uh, who have been wrongfully convicted. And you talk about a miscarriage of justice in in the case with these men. Again, we're going to go into it a little more uh, later in this program. But, Cliff, as we continue to dig and research and investigate, this story continues to unfold, the corruption uh, in our criminal justice system at the federal level as well.
8: Absolutely. And uh, the more we dig, the more we uncover, the more we realize that, you know, it needs to be exposed at the highest level that, uh, you know, the information, the, the corruption needs to be brought to the attention of everybody who has oversight. And um, over the years with uh, Just Cause, uh, we're finding that that oversight is very far and in between. That has been the, uh, you know, the battle that we have been fighting. Uh, going to Congress, going to the office of uh, you know the internal governance, the judicial conference, all these places. But it's not just because you're a citizen and you have a complaint that you can knock on the door and get answers. It's a real battle, and uh, Just Cause plans on keep on fighting.
7: No, absolutely, and, and we, we, we are we are determined uh, to continue uh, again to search for justice for these men have no business sitting in count, in uh, federal prison for going on four years, four years, however many nights that comes out to be and days and Christmases and holidays and away from the children and their families, their loved ones, it's just unacceptable. Ladies and gentlemen, please, it'll take you less than probably 10 seconds to go out there, sign the petition at change.org, search IRP6. We need your support today for these men. We have folks getting, getting help and receiving uh, petitions for, for those that are corrupt, Yep. that are guilty, and they get a huge response, let's, let's reach out and say, you know what, we're going to stand up for the right thing. These men were asking for an investigation uh, by the Department of Justice. We're asking for an investigation by the judiciary members of Congress. This is not any lightweight, lightweight situation. Injustice has happened here. And uh, as Martin Luther King said, injustice anywhere affects justice everywhere. Uh, we need to, if I quoted that right, but that's kind of the gist of what he's talking about uh, we need to stand for justice. That's critically, uh, critically important. And again, change.org, search RP6 and sign that petition. You can leave a comment there as well. Uh, you can also follow Just Cause on Facebook. Um, uh, as far as on Twitter, you can like us on Facebook. Go out there, talk to everybody uh, that you know. Dennis, how important is it that every person listening to my voice tonight go out there, tell your friends, tell your loved ones to sign this petition because injustice. Starting here can it, it can visit your front door as well. Oh, it's very important and and if we could truly just get people to understand, I mean, no one never thought not not one family member ever thought that injustice would step inside of their you know, inside their house and, and affect their family and, and it happens. That's because our system, the way it's set up, is it, set up to promote injustice. That's why we say please get out there go to go to change.org and uh, and please you know contribute so that, that way we can get out there and we can do what we need to do to make sure that justice we get justice back on its feet i tell you justice has fallen and uh, there's a lot of people out there hurting because of it uh, again lamont i truly agree with you 100% it seems as though we jumped to help you know somebody that has has actually done injustice Let's start looking at our American, our brothers and sisters, and let's do what's right. Oh, absolutely. And, again, it's not a black or white issue. It's a people issue. Exactly. Uh, we need folks. I've talked to plenty of my, plenty of my friends on Facebook. Uh, and if you've got friends on your Facebook page, send messages to them. Tag them in. Share the message about the IRP6. Put it out there. Look, we need to come together. Uh, you would, if it was your mother, if it was your brother, your sister, whoever, your family member, Suffering a blow of injustice, as the RP6 have, wouldn't you get involved and do whatever you can uh, to make a difference? We're asking you to please do that. Uh, and in and, the and, uh, and latest current news, we just found uh, uh, that the city of Cleveland will pay $6 million to settle the federal lawsuit filed by the family of Tamar Rice, uh, the 12-year-old boy killed by police gunfire while he held a pellet gun, according to a settlement announced Monday in the U.S. District Court. Uh, and, uh, Dennis, we were talking about this prior to going on air. Uh, why do you settle something if you're not guilty? I agree. Why, why does the city pay $6 million and they stuck to their guns? Oh, the police officer was justified. He thought he saw a weapon, a 12-year-old boy swinging on a swing set. Nobody in the park. You shot him dead. But that, you, that's, that's because they're the only ones that believe that. It's just gone. They, they understand that the Americans, the, the, the United States of America, the majority of the people, know without a doubt that policeman was not justified for killing that young man Oh, absolutely. How,
8: how do you not, how, it, how does a grand jury not come back and say, wow. we at least, at least need to have a trial for what happened? At yeah. least. You have video that shows a police officer pull up, jump out, bang, kid's dead in 30 seconds. There is. How do you do that with a kid where the dispatcher says, there's a kid in the park, probably got a BB gun, why don't you just go check it out? You jump out of your car and shoot the kid, and there's not even a trial?
9: That is just, that is the most ridiculous thing I think Uh I've ever heard in my life. A 12-year-old boy gets shot playing with a toy gun, and there's not even an indictment brought forth. Nothing's going to be done. You're just going to leave it. And nobody goes to jail?
7: Well, I'll tell you this. If you're in a suburban neighborhood and a a white kid is playing on a swing set and uh, a black officer gets out the car and shoots uh, the mayor's son, uh, guess what? He's put under the table and probably in the death chamber already. Well, there'll be a lynching that that night. That's what you have.
8: At that park, there will be a lynching that night. Period. period. I'm (laughs)
7: telling you. Wow. (laughs) There's a double standard and it's unequal justice, ladies and gentlemen. On the other side of the break, we're coming back. With, uh, I tell you what, a show of all shows. We're coming back with Sheriff Jamie Noel. He will be addressing, and he is the creator of 60 Days In, a new program on A&E. And, uh, folks, I'll tell you what, you don't want to miss it. Right now in Colorado Springs, the weather's 51 degrees and cloudy. Los Angeles, 69 and sunny. And in our nation's capital, 85 and some sunshine. And uh, what I heard today is the humidity has not yet arrived. Uh, New York City, 54 degrees and some rain showers. Come on back here, folks, settle in with us on AJC Radio as we take a look at the disturbing picture of America's jails, the place of cruel and unusual punishment. We're coming right back. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% That is a just cause, and we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call one It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us?
6: Call today. A barred police officer who shot and killed a man. When
0: I first saw
8: the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It
3: was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland.
0: It was like such a blatant
4: murder.
1: You have a city in trauma. Anyone that seen that looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence.
2: We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this
1: community.
0: Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only gonna
2: make it worse for us. They killed
9: our young people. You, you, you can protest, you can try to make a
10: change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And
2: make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In
10: a way that is about Using your voice for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice.
0: Violence is not justice.
10: Violence is not justice. justice.
0: Picture
9: this, a 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think, but you can help stop it by supporting our campaign to abolish the death penalty.
7: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's not September yet, but uh, I'll tell you what. uh, Welcome back to AJC Radio. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt, as we tonight take a very difficult journey into America's not prisons, their county jails, the first step of the criminal justice process, uh, where the presumption of innocence is supposed to actually be with the defendant. Uh, He's been accused of something, nothing proven in a court of law, and we are finding body bags being filled across this country by folks that are simply at the county jail, in the booking area, in custody, waiting for a brown cup, an orange spoon, and a jumpsuit to fight their defense and fight the injustice uh, that brought them to that situation. Um, And I'll tell you what, folks, uh, we're going to deal with some issues tonight. Uh, coming up here momentarily, we're going to have Sheriff Jamie Knoll uh, that's going to actually uh, be uh, speaking to us about the program 60 Days In. Okay, and we're going to get ready to get involved with that. Uh, Dennis, your thoughts on on, uh, on this show as we anticipate a very good show tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think uh, it's going to uh, open up some eyes and, and help people to understand that uh, we do have a problem in our justice system, and it starts in our county jails. I mean, Like Lamont was saying, when you got somebody come to, uh, you know, bought into the uh, system and all of a sudden, uh, they're dead. I mean, we, we got a problem or, or they're, you, you know, they hurt real bad or something like that. Major injuries for, for no reason whatsoever. That means we got a serious problem. So I think this show is going to be great. I think it's going to be an eye opener and I just want everybody to sit back and relax and let's, let's get going. Well, there you have it. Uh, okay, folks, uh, uh, Sheriff Noel, uh, we want to welcome you to our program tonight. Uh, and uh, how are you doing this evening?
5: I'm doing great. I appreciate the invitation to be on board.
7: Well, uh, Sheriff, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you this morning. Uh, and after further research and, and this, this show created uh, 60 days in, uh, we've had some people that are really, uh, really involved with what's going on here, really concerned about our loved ones that perhaps may be in custody. Uh, and I'm going to just give you the floor, Sheriff, and let you share with the American people and our listeners around the world uh, what motivated you to get involved with this program, and uh, what have you seen? And educate us tonight on, the, on what you've seen regarding this very important situation.
5: Well, I'll be perfectly honest. My career kind of started a little bit differently than some sheriffs, but in some cases the same. I got my associate's degree right out of high school. I got hired by the Indiana State Police as a trooper. I worked with Indiana State Police for just about 22 years before I retired and got elected sheriff. During that tenure, as a younger trooper, I used to take prisoners to jail. I would book them in and I would leave. And occasionally I would think, you know, I kind of feel sorry for these corrections officers because I'm taking a rowdy drunk in there. But I never really gave it much more thought beyond that, that once I booked them in and they were in custody of that corrections officer in that county jail, I kind of, you know, just... I did I did my job, I did my paperwork, and then let the court system handle it. However, I was kind of a late bloomer to go back um, almost 15 years later to finish up my undergrad in criminal justice. And that's when I really started clicking that, you know, if you put people in jail and you don't care about them, or if you're housing people like they're animals, that's what you're going to get in return. It's incorrect to do that. So in my corrections class, as part of my criminal justice, it really started my thinking of, hey, we've got to start doing something differently than what we're doing. I had excellent professors. When I got elected sheriff, the Clark County Jail was an absolute horrid place. We were over capacity. Our bed capacity is roughly 530. We were running about 545 plus prisoners in the jail. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. The inmates at the Clark County Jail were basically running the facility. And I firmly believe that the only reason that we did not have a jail takeover or someone seriously hurt or injured was because the inmates were actually running the facility and they were actually enjoying the environment that they were in. Uh, The month that I got elected sheriff, they literally, the inmates, took out a two-inch by about two-foot security window, not to get contraband or drugs into the jail, but they would, a car could pull up in the alley behind the jail, hit their horn. The inmate would throw out a container on a string. They would pull the money back into the jail and then send the drugs back out of the jail. And wow. you and I both know that the only thing money does you good, cash money does you in jail Is when you're doing bartering with correction officers.
7: Absolutely. You
5: really, you know, cash has no value in jail either while you're in there to to gain favor with the corrections officer, and/or or or if you're saving it when you get out. But technically, cash in jail is a contraband for an inmate to have that. So that kind of stirred my thinking about corrections. Um, Matter of fact, as a newly elected sheriff in January 2015. I walked through the facility and was told, blank, blank, Sheriff, you don't run this MFM facility, we do. And it really disturbed me because not just so much the inmate behavior, but the fact that the former administration, the fact that the corrections officers, not all of them, but some of them, allowed the facility to get in the shape where it was. I had parents calling me that said, Sheriff, I didn't like the fact that my son got arrested for drugs, but at least I thought he was safe in there. Now when I talk to him or I come visit him, he's strung out on drugs. So I knew I had a serious problem.
11: Mm -hmm.
5: So we, we started conducting raids, not just on the inmates and doing searches there, but also random searches on the corrections officers. And not just when we got a complaint, whether it be an inmate or outside complaint on a corrections officer, it's no fun investigating uh, one of your, one of your workers or one of the corrections officers, but it was the right thing to do. So we well, really we really stepped that up and we put it out to the local media to say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. And I think truly that's what caught the attention of the producers uh, when they came in originally wanting to do a series in our jail on first-timers.
7: Mm-hmm. And, and w- w- I hear you, uh, Sheriff. No, I'll tell you what. And I always was curious about that, that when somebody said they found a cell phone or they found a, uh, you know, a bag of weed or whatever it is, inmates don't have access to that. They don't have access. to yeah, it, it.
5: you're exactly right. The only way that that gets into the facility if it's in their body cavities when they come in, or the corrections officers are bringing it into them.
7: Right, and and I think, and I, it's very respectful. It says here. Uh, Sheriff, that you have been uh, awarded a few things, uh, quite a really some definite uh, admirable accomplishments. The ISP Life Saving Award, American Legion Police Officer of the Year and Governor's Award for Valor uh, speaks volumes to who you are. And I think it's refreshing for us to hear someone within your position to say it was the right thing to do. We didn't follow status quo or the culture, if you will, that's been created in this country with protecting our own. Someone has to step on and say, wait a minute, let's take a look. I think that's, that should be well respected. And what you're doing there uh, in Clark County uh, needs to be uh, definitely done by uh, sheriff's departments all over the country. That's my thought on that. And uh, if you can, uh, Sheriff, tell us a little bit more about 60 Days In and the, the overall vision and picture of that. And what's what's the purpose of that, honestly?
5: So when the producer, which was the same producer that did the walk-up series on rookie corrections officer, wanted to do a show about first-timers, I said, I'll be honest with you. I don't feel comfortable with your safety in the jail. It was roughly about four or five months into me taking office. I said, I'm really concerned about your safety. Matter of fact, at that point, I was already, and I shared it with them in confidence, that I was actively recruiting undercover police officers to put into the Clark County jail to try to get a hold of the situation. Because, as you know, corrections officers don't necessarily like to tell on co-workers. They get that bond right. and sometimes, unfortunately, turn a blind eye when something's going wrong. And inmates don't want to be viewed as a snitch right? Uh, because you have that inmate code.
8: Sure. So
5: then I jokingly said to um, the producer that in Indiana, as a sheriff, I can, in special circumstances – I can make someone a special deputy for certain emergency type or special situations. I said I had a tough time because I could I only had two officers that could give me three days. And I said, But my concern about just looking at the criminal stuff, but looking at what we can change from the facility and the policy standpoint, which I'll be honest with you didn't necessarily make me look good a sheriff. And right. thirdly, to go a step beyond, what's it going to take to start clicking in the minds of, of folks to stop getting arrested, rearrested, And what can we do when they're in the jail waiting to serve their time or waiting their day in court to start giving them opportunities to better themselves, whether it be GED programs, Freedom 101, there, any religious-based program that people want to voluntarily participate in, or – Alcohol's Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, those type of stuff. So we, we were ramping that up. And it literally started out as just a brainstorm between me and that producer. And he said, hey, what if I help find some people to, uh, to come into your jail? And then it kind of stopped there. I so, hey, we've got a lot of legal research to do here first. So I had to run a course through the Sheriff's Association attorney. said, hey, in confidence, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Of course, I got a second opinion from my personal attorney. And then, of course, the producer had to run it through, you know, the television world attorney to make sure that we were meeting all the legal requirements to do this. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of once it cleared the legal hurdles, it just kind of took off from there.
7: And, uh, you know, A&E is known for producing some pretty uh, uh, unconventional, if you will, uh, looks. Uh, I believe they started Beyond Scared Straight. I believe that's on a and as well, uh, where you have the youngsters coming in and seeing the real life of what uh, counting to jail and prison is. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question, uh, Sheriff, and I want to get your opinion on this. We see a huge rise uh, in folks getting taken into custody, uh, whether it's a traffic violation, whatever it is. Uh, the young lady in Texas, uh, Sandra Bland, uh, I believe is her name. Uh, was actually arrested for, a, for switching lanes, uh, was kind of going in there. You know, you feel like if you get pulled over for a traffic ticket, all right, I'm going to go down here. The cop, uh, the officer acted one way, whatever the case was, uh, was very belligerent, uh, very rude to this woman, using very pre- uh, uh, foul language to her, um, and got really an escalation going here that didn't have to happen. Uh, she ends up dead three days later in custody. So a traffic ticket, how, when you see this sheriff, and then it's not only her, it's a large number of people that are just, uh, we were talking earlier prior to the show kicking off, Sergeant Brown, a veteran from, you know, fought in two tours in Iraq, I believe, in, in Afghanistan, came in was you know, he turned himself in voluntarily, was going to serve, I think, five days for a DUI or something type. It wasn't nothing major, so to speak. And he ends up dead in the custody of these officers when we pulled the video of what they did to this officer. I mean, they taunted him. They, and he was going into he, – he was begging them for a glass of water. And they were laughing and making fun. And Cliff, you alluded to that he was laying face down in his jail cell screaming for somebody to please help him. Sheriff, what is going on to that extent? That To let us know this is not just uh, a conversation we're having Lives and body bags are being filled as a result of actions and conduct of these officers
5: So that's a very complex problem that faces law enforcement It faces the community and it faces corrections And I think it fundamentally boils down It's a multi-answer uh, to your question that you asked there but I think our biggest problem, number one, is, is culture is changing to where um, it's not acceptable anymore that over years law enforcement um, basically um, sometimes got the reputation uh, for bullying people, for talking down to people, which is not acceptable. If you start in that you, you basically should treat people how you would expect to be treated yourself or do you expect them how you would – want a member of your family to be treated. The other big thing that gets us in problem with law enforcement and in corrections is when we mess up, instead of just saying, hey, we made a mistake and here's what we're going to do to fix it, the, the, the silence, the, the cover up of the event, that's what really makes it really, really bad. Now, I don't think it happens as much here locally, as what I've, of some of the stuff that I've read up upon. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, our jail, for example, at Clark County, I've taken pride now into my second year as being sheriff that we've had zero in death custodies, net zero homicides, zero suicides, or zero natural deaths. That's not saying tomorrow that God forbid someone could have a heart attack and pass away when they're in the care of the Clark County Jail. But if that were to happen, I would contact the Indiana State Police to an independent agency to do that death investigation. Because I think that's very important, and it's important for the integrity of any agency to have another independent, unbiased agency come in to get the facts of what happened. Uh, And and I'll be honest with you. I've that about some of the toughest cases that I worked when I was a detective with the Indiana State Police is – is If you mess up a homicide investigation that was made to look like a suicide, at the end of the day, it ends up being a suicide investigation if you didn't investigate it properly, if that makes sense. So right. you have to treat everything to look at every angle. But I think what the tough part about life in general is people don't like to admit when they make a mistake, and it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it we're going to have – I've had to, unfortunately, terminate several officers for not following rules, regulations, procedures, and breaking or using excessive force. I don't enjoy doing that, but I'm going to do it because that's the right thing to do. And in the show, when we did what we did, there's stuff that you'll see, inmate behavior, staff behavior that I'm not proud of, but it was a learning experience. And I I tried my best to take the appropriate actions to fix that problem.
7: That's awesome. Cliff?
8: Yeah, Sheriff Noel, you know, you talked about accountability and transparency by having a third party do, uh, you know, your your homicide investigation, things of that nature. And I think that that is one of the biggest missing things we uh, see in the news. We, uh, you know, hear stories about a you know a a jail that they did their own investigation and they didn't find any wrongdoing. they didn't you know they didn't find any cover-up and like you say a homicide ends up at the end of the day being uh you know tagged as a suicide and then it comes back later that oh guess what there's some video that came out or there's an inmate that saw something and uh and now not only is it exposed but now a person in your position the sheriff of the of the jail has to deal with the fact okay now i have to try to explain to the public how it is that my officers uh said this was a suicide and video is showing abuse or or something of that nature you know and it brings back a story that we dealt with before in on, in a jail in Florida where an inmate was boiled to death in the shower that in and, and the shower controls were Handled by the uh, by the COs there, and basically he was boiled, and none of it came to light until another inmate smuggled out a letter saying, "I cleaned up parts of this man's boiled flesh off the floor. This was not a suicide. This was not a health related issue. This was a homicide." And now they're trying to cover that up at the federal level. Uh, the feds are getting into it, saying you know what happened here now we need to now we're going to expose everybody we're taking away funding all these things are going on when the bottom line it could have been dealt with by having a third party come in there have some uh some accountability some transparency and then like you said when you see things that are not right common sense says try to find a way to fix it you cannot cover it up and expect for it to uh for anything to get corrected, you cannot cover it up And I think that's the biggest thing that we see Is that the cover-up causes more of a problem Because right. when it does come to the surface Then uh, the sheriff Has to deal with it And now you have to not only deal with that And like you said, fire some officers But now you're trying to regain the public's trust And say, you have my family members in there What have you guys been doing If it happened to one then now, now everything has to be investigated Every little issue has to be uh, investigated But I commend you on, uh, you know, exposing your, your uh, jail there on A&E and uh, and showing what the real problems are and taking the steps to fix them.
5: Well, I could give you one small example. So I had someone today when I was talking to some college students and they said, what's some of the things you would have done differently? And part of the reason why we were getting a lot of local coverage, which I think also ended up with the producers coming to the Clark County Jail, were the fact that when we were doing large, Jail raids, recovering cell phones And in the unfortunate event That I had arrests some corrections officers We made it known And gave the media everything that they were entitled to But when A&E Rolled out this to the world Throughout the United States 11 different countries, the program that we did The mistake that the Clark County Sheriff's Office Made was is When the local media started calling in We were referring them My public information officer was referring them To A&E in New York they viewed that as, wait a second here, you guys have been so transparent, you've allowed us in on everything, and now you're referring us to basically a third party agency right. here to, you know, because it was so never done before that some people were in kind of shock about what we did. I immediately picked up on that and told them, nope, come on down to the jail, the four local uh, uh, stations in Louisville, Kentucky, and then the local papers in this area. And I'll tell you, they looked at me like they were ready to literally take my head off. They were upset because they felt a little bit betrayed by me that we were giving them all this information. And then all of a sudden it was, hey, we can't talk to you. You've got to call A&E in New York. Well, that was fine for them to handle that media. But once I explained to them what happened and what we did and what we're trying to accomplish, the tone totally changed. And that, so I identified that, hey, we made a mistake here. You're here to talk to me about it now. I'm going to tell you what we did, and I apologize that we inadvertently sent you to a third party to talk about this program, and they respected that. It was a mistake that we made. We publicly said that it was a mistake, and that could have been anything, but that's something that I learned in addition to all the other things that we learned Um, in this program and doing
7: this and sheriff no that is absolutely exactly the answer the transparency and to say you know what look you as a sheriff said look this this is not going to make me look in the best light of things but it's important to inform america inform the community we are showing we're opening up our doors to say look because everybody knows there's problems across this country in the criminal justice system They know the problems that exist in jails in prisons and the abuse. And I think, Sheriff Noah, for you to do that and to step out on that uh, with a man being a man of character, uh, knowing the right thing to do is just, you know, you don't have to worry about riots breaking out in Indiana because, you know what, the people in the community of Indiana, of Clark County, are saying, man, our sheriff (laughs) is above board. He's telling us what's going on. He is showing us what's going on, and he's owning whatever mistakes that have been made. He's owning it. That is the critical step That the majority Of places across this country Have failed to do Whether it's Ferguson Covering it up Excusing the behavior of officers This is what creates the protest The the absolute anger and outrage By citizens When we begin to excuse the behavior And the, and the mistreatment of our loved ones In county jail Or in, 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 the, in our community
8: And you know just to add to that Lamont um, You know that is it exactly what, you know, um, we have the, the uh, Just Cause sponsors the Let's Talk community events that uh, go on here in Colorado Springs. That is exactly what we have tried to express to local law enforcement that, look, the first thing that you must do if you want to have a relationship, if you want to have respect, if you want to have a conversation, quote unquote, with uh, with the community. With the actual citizens of your community that you know that you protect and serve, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to have truth and honesty in your service it It is number one, and without that, the community is not going to trust you if If you're seen to be a sheriff or police chief or whatever that says uh, well, you know what happens in house, we don't bring that to the community. you know we deal with that in house no. You have to deal with that in the community when you are a public service, uh, you know, venue. So that is the first thing to say, Okay, we're honest. We made a mistake.
9: Absolutely.
7: uh,
8: We should we should have told you what was going on at that time. We couldn't because, you know, basically this is kind of undercover. But this is what happens. And like you said, Sheriff, everybody at that point says, you know, we appreciate that. We definitely understand your position and you get the you get the respect. You get the trust of your community and now now people in the community to come to you and say, you know what? Sheriff Noel is such a respectable sheriff that he put cameras in his own jail and put it on the national television to show the corruption. Anybody in that city can come in that county can come to you now and say, Hey Sheriff Hey Sheriff, I saw this with one of your officers. I'm sure you will want to handle
5: this. You know, one other thing I want to make sure because I knew we were going to find a lot of things that we needed to fix. There, Unfortunately, there was some criminal stuff that needed to be immediately addressed. But one good thing that did come out of this, the goal was to learn, which I think we definitely accomplished that, to improve, which I think we accomplished that. But then also for kids, especially teenagers or young adults that are watching this show at home, to hopefully not ever put themselves in that position. It's tough as a sheriff. It's almost like being a parent that I've, I'm running a firm but fair facility and trying to help people on the way when they're in jail, but I can't make it a country club either because I want them to get the help and then hopefully not come back to jail. And I tell the inmates all the time, don't take it personal. I hope I don't see you back here because I can't make it too nice of an environment where they want think that they can stay there and continue to be there. So it's a constant, it's a constant work in progress every day to, uh, to make it a better environment. Well, absolutely, I'm Sheriff. I'm excited when you, when you see the second part of this um, program, which the TV world will refer to probably as Season 2, I feel like we learned a bunch there, too. I'm excited uh, for you to watch it when you see it because we picked a very unique group of, uh, diverse group of individuals uh, for the second part um, that I learned a bunch from, too, to fix. But another thing that I learned, and it's still a work in progress for me, is is inmates pick up on everything. They listen to everything. And if there's anything that we're missing from a facility or the corrections officers miss, inmates sometimes will use that to gain control over other inmates or to use it to their advantage. But i got to start working. I think another thing is, is all this downtime. And, uh, you know, they, they say the idle mind's a devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. To bottle and change that energy when those inmates are sitting around that can draw just elaborate pictures or they figure out how to take a white fixture apart to hide something in is how can we take that and channel it into something positive? That's, no, that's my well, next task to look at and work with.
7: No, absolutely, Sheriff. And, uh, you know, we'd like you to just pack up, uh, Misty, your two daughters and uh, maybe come down here to Colorado. We elect you a sheriff here uh, to bring some changes <laughs> to Colorado. Have you ever been here? <laughs>
5: I, I've flown in now the airport once. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Sheriff, about that, you have been to Colorado.
7: it's beautiful out here, beautiful mountains. I, I won't become a real estate agent to sell you on Colorado or Colorado Springs, but what you're doing is definitely respectable, Sheriff. If you got a few more minutes with us, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about Barbara and Zach. Uh, give us a little insight of those two folks who were on uh, 60 Days in. And uh, this is definitely informative to our listeners across America. Can you come back with us on the other side of the break?
5: I sure will. I look forward to it.
7: Okay, look forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen of America, you want to talk to the sheriff, feel free to dial in to 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And we're talking about Sheriff Jamie Knoll, sheriff of Clark County Jail, that is leaving some big foots to fill once he's gone Uh, about – implementing change and doing what's necessary to become transparent in a world where cover-up is on the rise we're coming right back with sheriff noel as we continue our journey to america's jails we'll be right back this is ajc radio bringing the message of justice all around the world
1: The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the US began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities, 57% were violent offenders, 30% were property violators, such as thieves, or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the non-violent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America.
7: Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. I am Lamont Banks. You've arrived at AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we have been honored to have Sheriff uh, Jamie Noel from the Sheriff uh, of Clark County Jail, excuse me, uh, from Clark County, and he is informing us of some good things that he is doing to uh, deal with the problem in our jail system in America: the abuse, the the deaths, the unexplained. Uh, deaths that are going on in this country right now, and I'll tell you, uh, Sheriff, thank you so much for, ha- for, for being a part of this program tonight. This has been very informative, and we'll, we, we're definitely enjoying this conversation, as I'm sure all of our listeners are as well. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay, and uh, Cliff, uh, I believe we have uh, a caller? Yeah, we have a couple
8: callers, in queue. we're going to start uh, bringing them on. Uh, first, we have a uh, caller The Truth, who wants to make a comment uh, about what she has heard here tonight on the show with uh, Sheriff Jamie Knoll. And Truth, you're live. Go ahead.
0: Yes, I just had to call in and, and commend uh, Sheriff Knoll on what he has done. And I think the thing that stands out to me more than anything, I wish that would catch on around the country. And that's the statement that he says, I did it because it was the right thing to do. And I thought, boy, if every decision in this country, in our, in our judicial process or whatever, if everything was done because it was the right thing to do, we wouldn't have our prisons running over right now. We wouldn't have judges and prosecutors failing and coming short and doing things wrong. What an excellent thing to say, and I hope that catches on around the country. I did it because it was the right thing to do. Not necessarily uh, are you going to get the approval of everybody that thinks you've done something good, but, you know, when you get something as positive as this, I, I mean, that statement alone, I just want to adopt it and use it for everything. Why did you do this? Because it was the right thing to do. And I'm telling you, it always comes out good. It helps people to make good Good decision. It doesn't put people in our country, uh, their lives in jeopardy. And over here, if we just have good, decent, honest sheriffs such as yourself that saying, "I don't care whether you approve of it. I'm not looking for you to uh, 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 to hold my 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 name up in lights or whatever. I'm not looking for all the pomp that goes with this. If I just do it right." Then I can sleep at night. I think what you're doing is an excellent thing, and hopefully it'll catch on in this country, around the country, and, and we will have much better uh, 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 law enforcement, and it's just overall just a great picture. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight and for making that known. I think to get the word out means everything, and you surely do have have my support, and I'm sure all the people that are listening into this program feel the same. Thank you again, and thanks so much for taking my call.
7: Thank you. Uh, we Thank appreciate you. that. And, Sheriff, uh, you're becoming a household name, a celebrity, if you will, uh, for what you're doing. Our listeners are catching on. Uh, To this vision, and uh, I'll tell you what, over the last several months, we haven't heard uh, this type of proactive uh, language, if you will, of making steps to at least take a look at the problem. Look in the mirror and say, look, we must find solutions uh, for that. Your thoughts on that, Sheriff?
5: No, I agree. And And like she said, you know, doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing to do. And like I told, said earlier, there's some stuff that from an agency that we had to change, and there's some stuff that I'm not proud of as far as inmate behavior and, and staff behavior. Um, but we're going to fix it, and it, uh, it's, a, it's a work in progress. It, uh, but one thing I do want to make sure that, that, that creates some of this problem is most jails are understaffed, most courts are overloaded. But a big problem that we have here locally, especially here now as heroin, is we have probably 80% of our jail population are either drug-related offenses or property crimes that people commit to fund their drug habits and they steal from their family members and friends to finance their drug problem. And as you well know, unfortunately, sometimes the most successful uh, drug dealers don't use it themselves; They just basically, they profit off of people's addictions. So my goal also is is to help people get uh, help while they're in jail, but I can't get them help if they can get strung out in jail. So that's another important part of what we're trying to do, to get those illegal street-level drugs out of the jail, and it's a battle every day. And then um. secondly, to start targeting the actual drug dealers that are profiting off of these addicts.
7: No, absolutely, and that's something that uh, Dennis did you, you had something you want to add to the sheriff? Yeah, I just wanted to say again uh understand your position, understand that it's very difficult. You you've got uh inmates to deal with and you you're truly trying to do the right thing, but again, no matter how you look at it, it's very commendable when uh, uh, you're, you're pretty much setting up a model and I think it's a good model uh, you said mess up we, we shouldn't cover it up and I mean I, I, I truly believe that also and just want to say thank you for what you're doing and we do understand uh, that you know there's a lot of other things that's involved and but just doing the right thing to get it to a place where there's accountability not only for the inmates but for those that are in charge of making sure the inmates do the right thing and uh, we, we just, I just wanted to just throw that out to let you know that, hey, uh, you're creating a model for all our uh, county prisons, our county jails.
5: Well, you know, another interesting thing is it was tough for me because we're scrutinizing everything that we're doing. Uh, it's on there you see at home what we're doing wrong. But a lot of what we're doing right, and the interesting thing is, is several corrections officers that were doing a good job, very dedicated, they, their names were repeated over and over again by all these undercover participants and why they didn't know about each other in most cases. So there's no way that they could have got together and said, hey, what's telling that Officer Cunningham or Officer Capehart are doing a good job? They were, and I commended them for that. And the, the same trait that, they, that the undercover uh, inmate participants picked up along with the actual inmates that told them, was They were firm, but they were fair. They knew when they went to bed at night that they could sleep because they knew that officer was going to make sure, was watching to make sure that there was order in that section, but not overboard. And they knew. So I was able to command those officers, but also had them train the new officers so they could show the new corrections officers how to do things the right way and the correct way. So when I was really looking at it, and it's tough when you're looking at everything you're doing as a whole. Where my fear was is that I didn't want the good officers to think that we were picking everything apart just to be picking everything apart. But it was really constructive criticism and a learning process, but at the same time, to make sure that I commended to staff that have worked tirelessly uh, to help me uh, improve the jail and to make things better.
7: And, Sheriff, uh, in, in, in closing, because we're going to definitely respect your time. We understand it's, it, you've probably had a long day at work. And, and man, what you are giving us, and uh, as, as I said to you this morning, we're going to be talking offline uh, about Let's Talk that Cliff mentioned earlier. We're going to get into discussion about that offline. Tell us really quick in closing the impact about Barbara and Zach. Uh, you know, they say everybody in jail says they're innocent. I mean, fortunately, uh, unfortunately, in this time that we live, a lot of people are innocent. Uh, that are getting the raw deal of the of the of the deal, if you will, they're getting really the raw end of that. Uh, but Barbara and Zach, uh, two of the uh, folks that were put in, tell us a little bit about their impact on uh, season one.
5: Zach was great. Zach did everything that we asked him to do, be a good witness on the criminal activity, um, and he understood that it was going to. You know, he couldn't take notes along the way naturally. Two got debriefed, but he did an excellent job on that. He gave me probably the best feedback. I appreciate it, and they all gave me good feedback. Zach, by far, gave me the best feedback. Barbara kind of gave me a little bit of of more of the inmate behavior, what we were missing programming, what we could do better to look at the inmate behavior, where Zach, because he's got an interest in law enforcement, he was more focused on, hey, what criminal um, behavior um, was going on and what we could do to improve them. Both of them were super. Um, there's a big surprise that you'll see with uh, with Zach here when, when season two kicks off that is really exciting. Uh, but the good part about both of them having a the family is it also gave me an opportunity to look at the impact of family when people are incarcerated. Because as uh-huh. you well know, that if we keep those strong family ties and keep them connected that they're less likely to re when they get out. So we, we get a chance to look at keeping them connected, whether they're writing video visitation or making those phone calls to keep that connection. So that's an interesting part of what we're able to look at also.
7: That's awesome, Sheriff. Uh, tell the folks how to get a hold of you, uh, you know, how they can reach you. I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen of America, uh, if you got on demand, go type in 60 days in, and you're going to hear and see what Sheriff Noel is talking about tonight. I'm excited as season two uh, is going to be kicking off here after a while. Uh, Sheriff, how can the folks get a hold of you if you want to talk to them, get them any information? How do you want folks to reach you? Of
5: course, I'm on Facebook as Sheriff Jamie Knoll on Twitter. It's at Knoll, the number four, Sheriff. Uh, or you can email me at jknoll at com.
7: And thank you so much Sheriff Noel. You have been an inspiration to this program tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh give Misty and your daughters uh, our best wishes. And uh boy, I tell you 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 have at least on this program, uh I'm I'm starting to get the idea we're dealing with a champion for justice. Uh and I believe you fit the mo- the model of that. And thank you so much for uh for being a part of this program tonight.
5: Thank you. It's an honor to participate. Okay. We'll be in touch.
7: Best wishes to you, Sheriff.
5: Thank you. God bless you.
7: All right. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to be bringing Donetta Robinson Scott, uh, the mother of Sergeant James Brown, a veteran, a hero, a champion, who was killed in custody in in a county jail. She's going to tell her story. We're going to follow up with her and see what's going on as her fight for justice for her son continues. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. We're coming right back, folks. Stay with us.
9: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering A Just Cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call A Just Cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the Donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
11: We know you care, now it's time, time to change the face of justice.
2: Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent?
10: The incidents of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded.
12: Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be.
1: We must represent for people to get fair trials.
4: If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service.
8: If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty.
12: If called and selected, make it your duty to serve.
4: We can't get justice without
10: you. Change Change. Change. Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details.
0: Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope oh, you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up.
11: Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super
9: excited to introduce my dad because. He's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot, but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances
0: and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad.
2: If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission.
7: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is AJC Radio. You haven't accidentally gone to Mission Impossible, but we are dealing with issues right now in this country that some folks call impossible to fix. Tonight, AJC Radio has had the opportunity to talk to Sheriff Jamie Knoll. He's the sheriff of Clark County Jail there in Indiana and doing some things down there, Dennis, uh, that's making a difference, and uh, we applaud his efforts uh, to bring about that change. Oh, yeah, he's doing some awesome things. I mean, I, I truly, truly enjoyed listening to him and uh, his philosophy, his uh, reasoning on how to fix our, you know, our, his, his county uh, jail system. Awesome. And I'll tell you, it's awesome. And again, I said it's a model. I don't know if he really believes that, but I think if uh, our, the rest of the uh, county jails looked at that, uh, we could, we, 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 we'd we have something in place that really works. No, absolutely. And, uh, folks, if you want to get in on the conversation, dial in to 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. As we uh, continue to deal with these issues, uh, and they're very serious issues. And, uh, uh, folks, you get an opportunity to go to A&E. You can go go on demand uh, and actually watch 60 Days In. uh, Awesome program showing folks – doing some things that Sheriff Knoll is he actually created this, uh, this uh, uh, program, so to speak, uh, and he's the, the voice carrying that message of what's happening. So, uh, again, feel free uh, to check him out. Uh, we intend, uh, hopefully, according to the sheriff, uh, uh, having him as part of Let's Talk here in the near future as the season continues to go on. Uh, right now, uh, we are very happy to have Donata Robinson-Scott. Uh, she's the mother of Sergeant James Brown. Uh, that actually was, uh, in our thought, uh, was murdered in custody. His life was taken from him, and uh, Donetta has been an advocate and fighting for justice uh, for her son. Donetta, thank you so much for joining us. How are you this evening?
10: I'm well, thank you for asking. How are you tonight?
7: We're doing well, and uh, our prayers and thoughts have been with you since your last appearance uh, on this show. We are so very grateful uh, to you uh, for taking time to spread the message of what needs to happen, of what needs to happen. And we need to, we, we, we're so grateful to have you on our program tonight.
10: Thank you. Thank you very much.
7: And tell us a little bit, uh, Donetta, uh, uh, what's going on, what you're doing right now. Um, I'm going to just give the folks a, a brief entry. Uh, uh, you are the mother of Sergeant James Brown, uh, uh, 26 of Fort Bliss, who voluntarily checked into the county jail the evening of July 13, 2012. Uh, Your son reported to serve two days of a driving while intoxicated sentence. Two days. His family said, of course, he was instructed by the court to check in at 8 p.m. and that he would be released on July 15th. Instead, Brown's family said the soldier died while in jail custody on July 14th after being given an injection apparently intended to sedate uh, Sergeant Brown, whose family said was not a combative individual, and we have proof of that. We actually saw the video. Uh, some of the video where he was simply asking for human kindness and human treatment, uh, such as much as a glass of water, a cup of water, a little bit of water. And what they've done is outrageous uh, what this county did to your son. Uh, my deepest condolences and, and, and s- extreme uh, sorrow for what you've had to endure as a result of that. We are so very sorry that that has had to be an issue in your life. But tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and how you've been fighting for justice for your son.
10: Um, as you know, we uh, did uh, seek a wrongful death uh, against uh, the officers in El Paso County, and due to the tort law, <clears throat> the they did not find that they were uh, there was enough evidence to prosecute them. So they said, and uh, so they filed a no bill we proceeded and of course the county um made an offer basically uh according to the attorney saying you know this is us saying we were wrong but still no justice as far as i'm concerned was served. uh at this point in time uh we have started a petition and that petition will be going to the president the governor of texas and the representatives And basically what we are asking for is that the tort law be revised because there is no way to prove that somebody intentionally killed an individual. You can see that uh, they neglected to provide him with medical attention. That is very evident from the video, and I have not seen it in its entirety, but um, that is what we're seeking is for that law to be revised so that people, when they do commit these offenses, that they will be prosecuted for, for them. Also, we are seeking that uh, when inmates are in jail and they are suffering from mental illness, such as PTSD, that they will be segregated and that someone will be assigned to them that understands mental illness or that the staff is trained to deal with mental illness while these individuals are incarcerated. Uh, also, and we would like that to be across the nation. Everybody needs to know how to deal with these individuals because it's, it's a, a totally different illness. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, when you're in the military, A civilian should not handle a soldier. So as far as I'm concerned, the military should have been there by his side, counseling him, walking with him every step of the way while he was there those two days if they did not have room enough to house him on base or the facilities to house him. He should have never been handled by those officers the way that he was handled. So that is the petition that we have online on Facebook right now. And we're just trying to bring awareness uh, regarding PTSD because it's, it's real and it's happening every day and it affects a large portion of our community. And I don't want anyone to have to go through what my family has endured over the past Almost four years.
7: No, absolutely, uh, Danetta. And I think that's a major problem that's going on not only with soldiers, but the, the treatment of mentally ill uh, inmates. Uh, number one, they shouldn't be an inmate being mentally ill. They need to be in a hospital. Uh, they need to be being diagnosed and, and different things. And, uh, Danetta, I'm going to play a clip for you because we, we have an issue right here in El Paso County where a gentleman came forward and he was suffering some some of these abuses and I'd like to get your thoughts on it uh, as we get ready to hear what he had to say.
10: Okay.
11: I've been, was diagnosed with manic depression in 1995. Since then, I've been on a steady regimen of medication. The days after my medication was messed up, I committed some very, very bad crimes. Fortunately, no one was hurt and I was arrested before I had wrecked my car or gotten into any more trouble. I was in that holding cell for approximately 26 hours. Uh, no clothing, I was completely naked. Handcuffed behind my back. Um, again, no food, no water. I had defecated myself. They would not listen to me. I raised my voice, I have a big mouth. I needed my medication. I told them I was diabetic. I told them I had a severe heart problem and just had a heart attack. Had stints in my heart. Um, I was dehydrated. I needed my mental health medication. And they just laughed and they said, well, that's not our problem yet. I remember several times um, during those hours in that holding cell that they would come in with SWAT gear and tackle me to the ground, even though I was naked and handcuffed behind my back. And then a nurse would follow them with a blood pressuring monitor machine (laughs) and to take my blood pressure after four or five guys had just tackled me. I received a lot of injuries during those times. I did due to, due to muscular hematomas, uh to the back of my legs, bruises on my back, my arms. Um, I had some bruising on my neck. Um, the worst was my right leg, which had swollen nearly twice its size. I'm a victim of my own mental health. That's just what happened but they exacerbated that problem by lack of training. They did not have the capacity. They did not have the knowledge to to diagnose somebody. None of that was done. It was immediately thrust into that cell, and uh, the deprivation and the beating started.
7: And, uh, wow, there you have it. Another Danetta situation where... uh, this man is suffering from mental illness. Your thoughts on that clip, Danetta, as you look at and know your son's situation, but we're starting to see a pattern of abuse here of those that are dealing with the mental issues that they are having. What are your thoughts on that?
10: Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm appalled. I'm angered because there was no need for Him to be treated like that. Uh, Just as in my son's case, he told them that he was diagnosed with PTSD. He told them what he needed. The blessing is that young man is still alive today and he can tell his story. Now, we as individuals need to do something about it so that it doesn't continue. To happen, And we don't have to continue to hear stories like that.
7: And, and that I'll tell you right now, he is one of many. And again, it, you try to wrap your hands around of why. You know, the, the, yes. uh, it doesn't make any sense. Why are you on video? And I remember that in the, on the opening uh, clip that we played for this show, they said they were the officers were going into the mental wards where people appeared unconscious, whether from medication, whatever's going on, and they're kicking them. They're beating them. For what reason would you do that to a human being? He's not a threat. Your son wasn't a threat. This man here was not a threat. He said, I'm diabetic. I need my medication, and you commence on beating the life out of them. How is that even possible in this country? I tell you, it's our justice system. It, it's not designed. It, it, it's 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 always about, you know, the inmate. You know, it's not about, you know, the the people that are doing these things to, uh, you know, like you said, you know, these we we got people that are coming there that are, that are mentally ill, uh, they got some problems going on, but no matter what happens, until we hold. People accountable until we hold our so-called law enforcers, our, our our correction officers, until we hold these people accountable for the deaths and the the wrongdoings. It's gonna continue to keep happening, and I agree uh, with Danita. We have to. Everybody's got to come together and say enough is enough. We're, we're we're tired of it. Somebody got to pay for the lives that are being lost for no reason. And Danita, let me ask you a question because I see here. Uh, That when uh, and I apologize for the sensitive nature of this conversation, but I want to speak to the complete lying that goes on by these officers says here that uh, uh, that they uh, had injected uh, some injection inside your son because they said he was combative says here that when you arrived at the hospital and Brown's uh, your son's kidneys and liver had shut down. He was bleeding from his mouth, ears, nose within 45 minutes of the injection. Brown died shortly after that at the hospital. And I'm trying to figure out how you cannot hold these people. And says the test that came back on Brown for having alcohol or drugs in his system came back negative. He had nothing in his system why they would inject him with anything. How How do we... How is that, Danetta? what explanation, when those tests came back negative, that they tried to give or sidestep the issue that they had basically killed your son?
10: None. They basically tried to push us in a corner and take my son's body away. And, of course, when the autopsy came back, they said it was due to a sickle cell crisis, which, I'm pretty sure the doctors would have seen that while he was hospitalized. And my son did not have sickle cell anemia. He did not have the, the disease. He did have the trait. But that would not cause what his body was going through. It was, as far as I'm concerned, it's a cover-up. And the gentleman oh. that just prior, he, you're correct they need to be held accountable. It, they need to stop covering up for them.
7: And, Donetta, what else right now are you doing? It sounds like this is keeping you definitely busy as, as we fight. Uh, what can a Just Cause, uh, what can we do uh, as an organization? Is there anything we can do? Can we send a letter from our organization? Uh, whatever you ask of us, uh, we are willing to jump on board and do whatever we can to assist you in finding justice for your son. Any thoughts on that of what we can do?
10: Uh, You get your organization has sent a letter and I have that letter. And when I go to the Capitol uh, in July, I will take that letter with me and it will be attached to the petition that is delivered. And I am ever so grateful to you for providing that letter for me, uh, I don't know if you received my email thanking you for it. Uh, there are some things right now in the works. Uh, we are uh, going to start a memorial fund in his name, and we will be riding from Tacoma, Washington, to the state of Texas next year, uh, and this is uh, to raise awareness for PTSD. And uh, right now we're... we're working some other avenues but I'm not going to be quiet until I feel that justice is served for my son uh, because right now you know his death certificate still says natural causes and I want that changed I want it changed to homicide because my son did not pass due to natural causes he was killed just as you stated he was murdered and I want that acknowledged
7: No, absolutely. And uh, uh, I guess another representative actually was able to forward that letter to you uh, to take to uh, to whatever locations you need to take that to. Uh, We're going to give you uh, offline updated information of contact information. You'll be able to reach us here uh, and a direct email. That way we can stay in communication uh, and and monitor the progress of what's going on uh, in this fight for justice. Uh, Denetta, I don't want to hold you too much longer. Was there anything else you wanted to get out to the American people tonight in regard to your vision and what lies ahead in the journey that uh, you face? Uh,
10: just uh, support us. Uh, we do have a f- Facebook page, uh, Justice for Sergeant James Brown. Um, if anybody has any ideas as far as uh, how to get a hold of the military to get them to implement something to protect their soldiers Um, and not so much the entire military, but the branch of the army Uh, because Marines don't allow civilians to handle their soldiers. The army does. And I was not able to hear the sheriff's message in its entirety, but just from the portion I heard, the man is doing a phenomenal job. And that needs to be cloned across our nation because Absolutely. so many institutions are losing people in the state of in the county of El Paso. Just since 2003, and this was last year, they had 23 deaths in their jail. That that that's ridiculous. Absolutely. That is a large number, and, yes, it, and it should have never happened. So, you know, my, my kudos to him. He's doing an awesome job, and I appreciate it. And um, just like I said, they can show their support on Facebook, and we greatly appreciate your support as well. And I appreciate uh, Olivia contacting me and asking me to come on your show once again.
7: No, absolutely. And Danetta, You you have a friend here at AJC Radio and our team Uh, We'd like you to to bring you back on as as things develop in this story. Uh, We will also post something on our website tonight uh, in regards to reaching you, telling our folks, look, go out. This is what I talk about all the time. And I think what is so admirable, Danetta, for what you are doing in the midst of grief, in the midst of pain, no doubt, of this type of injustice, you march on as a soldier for justice. Uh, This is what is necessary to bring change. It is unfortunate what happened with your son. It is sad. It is outrageous. It is horrific. But to be a voice and to to gather the strength to say, I'm not going to stop fighting until justice is done, that is the motto of AJC Radio. And we will continue uh, to be on your side in a Just Cause organization. Uh, And again, we'll be reaching out to you offline in regards to staying in touch with us. Uh, We commend you for what you're doing. Thank you for taking time tonight out of your schedule. Uh, to be a part of this very, very important show and informing our listeners of the fight that lies ahead. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. You, as well. And there you have it, folks. Uh, Donetta Robertson Scott fighting for justice for a a soldier left behind. And, and Dennis, you can understand that better than most as a veteran and we thank you for your service. But when you hear that, a veteran who walked in, in, the, in harm's way protecting this country in war and to come home and to be treated like that, Dennis, tell me your emotions right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's disappointing. And it is, it's quite painful because uh, I could hear in uh, Danita's voice that, wow, it was that's, that's, that's hard to deal with. But uh, she she she's doing great things. And again, I, along with you, Ma, I commend her and, and, and I continue. I'll, I'll push her to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We have to uh, let our army know that, you know, we got to take care of our own. Absolutely. And I truly That's believe true. that had uh, an NCO went down to that prison and, and picked them up, that that probably wouldn't have never happened. Oh, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Dennis and Cliff, we have a caller that has a comment.
8: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is uh,
7: such an amazing story. And like you said, you know, we commend Aneta for
8: coming on, dealing with those issues, with uh, the pain still being so raw, and we definitely understand that. Uh, We have Gina, who's on the line. You have a comment. Uh, Go ahead. You're live.
12: Um, Yeah, thanks for taking my call out. I've been listening to the show, and I'm really, really, I mean, I I want to express my my sorrow, my sympathy for Donita and what happened to her and her son as a mother myself. Um, you know, it, it, this show tonight is amazing, exposing the things that are going on in the jails. I pulled up 60 days in on A&E and uh, just watched good five minutes of it, and I thought, I mean, you, you don't even get an impression of what this, this sheriff, Sheriff Knowles is doing across the, I mean, if we could clone this as others have said, it would be awesome. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this is a small jail. This is a huge facility with all different types of people, and they're all different types of issues. And I'm just, I'm amazed at what he's doing, and 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 the and the, the integrity that he has, and the and the compassion that he has for human beings. I just think that's awesome. And I just wanted to make a comment. I appreciate everything that AJC does. I think this is an awesome show, and I I uh, just want to call in and say thank you for it tonight.
7: And thank you for the call. And, uh, folks, feel free to join in three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six. Taking a journey to America's jail has been the journey of this program tonight and the abuse that's happening there. We're coming back on the other side of this break as we close this segment and get ready for what you didn't know about the IRP6. Folks, hang in there. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. We'll be right back.
6: and does our justice system get it wrong? Convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit. A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape. Cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. Thank you.
11: Welcome back,
7: ladies and gentlemen. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. And tonight we've been on a mission to take a look and uncover the corruption of what's going on in America's jails. Um, It it has been overwhelming to the fact that it has brought and triggered a lot of emotions. And uh, I'll tell you what, these are issues that need to be addressed in this country and we talked before, Cliff uh, and Dennis, Lisa, in regards to even a lot of this treatment and a lot of the treatment being uh, treated by um, African, you know, how African Americans, the minority, Latinos are treated. There's a different standard, and, and even in jail, uh, what we're dealing with in this country, uh, and it, it, it crosses racial lines. That's the bottom line. And uh, I remember on, on on one of the clips we had found that they said every person that came into this particular jail. Was African American And this wow. was in a particular city uh, And again We have such a large problem uh, Not only are you dealing with How people are treated in jail uh, You're dealing with people Who are facing disparities Who are targeted by the system It seems like such a complex problem Because it has so many uh, Arms and reaches to it It's something that we really uh, Have to take a look at uh, So it, it is very important um, but what we're going to do uh, is hopefully have a opportunity. Then, uh, Dennis, we talked earlier in regards to uh, uh, Sheriff Arpaio uh, in Arizona uh, and the issues that are going on down there in that jail system is absolutely horrific. Uh, I was watching a documentary on it. And you would honestly think these and as Sheriff uh, uh, stated, Sheriff Noel stated earlier in regards to. Treating people like animals, it's worse than that. The the dogs in in, uh, Maricopa Maricopa County County cost them about $0.60 for their meal a day for the dogs. You know what it costs for the inmates? About $0.25. Wow.
8: And the thing is, this is something. See, it'll be one thing if you say, oh, this is information that was dug up, it was found by the ACLU, or Mm -hmm. it was found by... Uh, you know some other human rights. This is something that the sheriff comes out and say. Yeah, you know what? I, my dog's meal costs sixty cents. Whoa, and and, he, and, the, and and he is proud of it. He, he says he says, oh no, the the inmates, their meal costs less than my dog. He he pink. had them ma- yep. wear pink pink and wow. underwear to humiliate them. He put them in. Uh, I mean, in Arizona, the the winters are cold and the uh, the summers are hot because it's a desert. He put them out in tents. Tent city, they call T- it. They call it tent city. He put them out in tents in the winter and in the middle of the summer, you're out in a tent in Arizona. Wow. You might you might as well be sucking on the exhaust of a, a oh. big rig because oh. it is
11: hot. Well, look, wow.
7: people are talking about the sheriff and he control. he's out of control. Let's hear what a couple of journalists had to say about this man.
6: Two Maricopa County Detention Officers charged with felony assault tonight after being caught on tape attacking inmates in the psychiatric ward. All new at Tan Rudebe Shabazi explains what else one of the officers is accused of.
4: In this surveillance video released by the Sheriff's Office, Detention Officer Kevin Gerster is seen walking into inmate Michael Flores's cell and punching him in the jaw last June. The inmate was medicated and in the psychiatric ward his arms and legs tied to the bed.
8: The information he gave us was not entirely accurate all the time, so it created a lot of obstacles for the detectives to follow up.
4: Even while the Flores case was on a chief's desk, Gerster was caught in this video, jumping up on the table and crushing the neck of another psych inmate, William Hughes, who was restrained in handcuffs, a spit mask, a belly chain, and leg irons. A second officer, Alan Keesey, forces his head back down on the table as he tries to get up. Gerster then comes back and punches the inmate four times in the head.
8: Of course, I would have loved them, the detectives, to be able to solve the inmate Flores case the instant they get it, but that's not how the real world works.
4: And that's not all. Back in September, Gerster allegedly used his position to look up a former inmate's address for a friend, who then went to the home and was charged with assaulting two people.
8: A friend came to him and says, somebody's having an affair with my wife. He's a former inmate. Can you find out where this guy lives?
4: And while the sheriff's office acknowledges the assault, they say there's no way to monitor all their officers activities.
7: It's very difficult when you have, what, 700 and 900 videos to go through thousands.
6: Of, we'd have to hire 30 people just to go through videos.
4: Gerster is behind bars. Kesey is charged with aggravated assault but will not be arrested and booked. Right now, he's on paid administrative leave. The other people there who did nothing to stop the assaults may face internal investigation and discipline as well. Rudabai Shavazi, ABC 15 News.
7: That is absolutely Uncomprehendable There is
8: <laughs> I mean What do you say And then for the sheriff To come and say Well we would have to hire 30 people Well you're not feeding the inmates well, you're, not, you're not spending money on the
6: air conditioning But
7: he said absolutely This is what's troubling ladies wow. and gentlemen of America Sheriff Arpaio said nothing
6: exactly. In reference
7: to the conduct Being wrong
8: He didn't even address it. He didn't even address it. It's like, look, I don't care what y'all say. Look, I'm not basically saying I'm not hiring 30 people to figure out what's happening to these inmates. To him, they deserve it anyway. You go, you look up somebody's address and go beat the man down. This is all of that that whole that whole jail system from uh, the sheriff down needs to be cleaned out. This is sick.
7: Here's the problem. It reflects. And this is look brace for this one. He's an elected sheriff that continues to get re-elected. So that speaks to the culture of Maricopa Maricopa County County, that it's okay to do this. Then they say this man premeditated to do it where basically went to an inmate's family's home and assaulted two people. Why, and I think, why is he not locked up now? Why not? No accountability. This is unbelievable, and you wonder why people break out in riots. This is why we close this segment with that type of nonsense. And folks, get involved. Folks down there in Arizona, in Maricopa County, stand up and say, "You know what? It's it's all fun and games." They used to say until somebody gets hurt. Mm -hmm. It's all fun and games, and it's funny and it's a joke until it's your brother in there being treated this way, your father. I mean, this is unbelievable and how they keep reelecting this man.
8: Well, what it says is that the citizens of Maricopa County, it's time for them to uh, take a step back and look at this is the way America sees you, that if this is who you vote in. That you, this is how you said it's okay to
7: treat other human beings this wow. way.
8: Who are you as a citizen of Maricopa County? Absolutely. That's
7: what they're going to have to deal with. Absolutely, we want to take us give a special thanks to Sheriff uh, Noel Jamie Noel uh, of Clark County Jail for joining us tonight, along with Janetta Robinson Scott, two warriors and champions of justice, in my opinion. Right now, folks, we deal with another injustice: the IRP six. David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. Their situation is as horrific as what we've heard tonight. These men, patriots of America, fought to keep America safe, and America sent them a thank you card and a one-way ticket to federal prison. This is what you didn't know about the IRP6 think that business is a game and what we have learned is that business actually is war
0: when they wanted people to find non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff
9: sometimes they didn't want to do it strange
6: to me
0: i think it's still strange it just
4: absolutely makes no sense. is this
6: really real
4: is this happening mm. and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart
7: What we have learned is that the rp 6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it
12: became very clear that the court appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like
4: in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution we constantly hear in the news every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted and this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted you would think the media would jump all over it
0: justice is not fair anymore they say justice is supposed to be blind it's not blind it's not blind they pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail
7: is this happening in America The American dream of the rp 6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers. As justice lays idle in the streets of America, we look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. Ladies and gentlemen of America, you know, when you get up on Sunday morning, And you put your suit, your tie, your dress, whatever fashion you may pick, you go to your local church and you seek comfort or answers to a troubled world. But what if you went to church one morning and the FBI, the IRS, was harassing your pastor who you have come to respect, who you've come to listen and take counsel from? and your kids go to church with one thing in mind to become a better person colorado springs fellowship church in colorado springs colorado was a target a pastor with an impeccable reputation for honesty and ethical behavior and a life in a church above reproach is targeted by the federal government with one aim in mind to destroy this pastor to destroy this church and they sought the rp6 who became collateral damage who happened to be members of this church well i'll tell you what what you didn't know about the rp6 is that this abuse this violation of religious right was violated on colorado springs fellowship church pastor rose banks and her members who were sought out harassed intimidated by federal uh law enforcement agents Cliff, what you didn't know about the IRP6 is that these men, even their jobs, members of the church were targeted by these men. Jobs threatened. Tell the folks a little bit about the actions and the conduct that makes this such an outrageous situation and violation of rights to this church and its pastor. Yeah, Mom, when
8: you look at this situation, you have FBI agents, uh, the IRS agent going around with, uh, with the FBI agent threatening people's jobs uh tell i mean one individual they they ask him do you like your job they went down and talked to his manager they put in front of him well we have a uh we have the stack uh you know the good stack and the bad stack which one do you want to be a part of all depends on what you tell us about the irp6 had another individual well they went to his house and uh posed as a piece of delivery man when he wasn't home, then went to his neighbor's house and began to lie on him to his neighbor, saying, you know, he's committed all kind of crime. None of this was, tr- was true. All they're trying to do is, uh, you know, cast a bad light on on uh, on the members of the church to try to get. And, and what I mean,
7: see, they can lie during their job and nothing happens. To but them. here's the problem, Cliff. Why this? The links that they went to attack the members of this church. But the church is not part of any investigation, and that's the sickening part. That's what's crazy. When
8: when all of this came up, and and you know we went up and we talked to the uh, to the FBI's lead counsel, said, look, the, the FBI, these agents are are uh, harassing people. They're threatening people's job. They're threatening people's welfare. They're uh, threatening people's livelihood. What is going on? The the lead counsel told, us, hey, you know this is this is not right. This is not supposed to be what's happening. When this is brought before Judge Christine Arguello. Oh, she just ignores it. Like, there, there's nothing I can do about that. That is a total, total farce. The the prosecutor is supposed to rein in his, uh, you know, his flunkies, uh, the FBI agents. The prosecutor is supposed to deal with that. But when all this is brought before the judge say, hey, the prosecutor let them run amok,
7: she does nothing about well, it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a church. Make no mistake about it. A church. Pastor Rosebanks in Colorado Springs Fellowship Church has been a church above reproach, have been open to teach its members to respect government, to obey the laws of the land. You attack a 71-year-old pastor. You rip her world apart. You take her son. You try to take her daughter. You put her daughter in prison for six months. Now you go after her members. Where does it stop, and what steps are taken to put a stop to this type of insanity? It could be your church next. This is unacceptable in America. How do you go into a pastor's bank account without a court order, without any type of subpoena, and justify those actions with a judge sitting on the bench and says nothing in regards to that? Where a prosecutor, Matthew Kirsch, makes the statement, so what if we did do this? No action, no consequence. This is the IRP6, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned with us. Who are these men? who we fight for, David Banks, Dave Zappola, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker, I'll tell you right now, folks, it's getting hotter and hotter by the day, we will fight for justice, and we will protect the institution of religious right, though Colorado Springs Fellowship Church and Pastor Rose Banks have been a victim of corrupt practices, Lisa,
9: the perpetrators of justice, who are they? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen former federal agent John Epke, former federal agent Gary Hillberry, attorney Thomas Goodreads, attorney Clifford Barnard, attorney Thomas Richard, attorney R- Robert Berger, attorney Mitchell Baker, attorney Boston Staten Jr., attorney Rick Cornfeld, attorney Mark Garragos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman.
7: And thank you for that, Lisa. Cliff, you had one closing note before we sign off tonight. Yes, we were talking
8: about uh, Sheriff Lee Baca in L.A. County. Sheriff Baca is going to jail. He was caught uh, um, basically interfering with an FBI investigation. They put an informant in his jail to deal with the corruption, and he basically hit the informant, tried to keep them from talking to him, tried to hide him out so that uh, federal prosecutors would not be able to get his story. They also intimidated an FBI agent. He told his officers, do everything but put her in handcuffs, but get her to let this investigation go. I'm happy to hear that ex-Sheriff Lee Baca of L.A. County is going to jail. We want to say thank you tonight for, um, our, for Sheriff uh, Jamie Knoll for joining us tonight. We appreciate him. Also, Donata uh, Robinson-Scott, we appreciate you guys taking time out of your evening to spend a little bit of that with us. To our production team, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson helping out ill skilled girl in the control room to make sure you hear what it is we have to say. And to the production support team, they give us
7: accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you.
8: And to the truth, we know you're out there. We
7: appreciate it. And thank you, Cliff, for that. Ladies and gentlemen, good night as we continue to bring the message of justice around the world. This is AJC Radio. We'll see you next time. Good night.
3: The FBI has indicted 18 Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies after a two-year investigation into the county's prison system revealed widespread abuse and misconduct. Charges unsealed Monday accused jailers at the Men's Central Jail and the Twin Towers Correctional Facility of beating inmates unjustly detaining visitors, and conspiring to obstruct the federal investigation. The charges follow a long string of reported abuses in the Los Angeles County prison system. A U.S. attorney told reporters the pattern of activity alleged in the obstruction of justice case shows how some members of the Sheriff's Department consider themselves to be above the law. The Los Angeles Times... Egregious accusations, including the detention and unlawful search of the Austrian consul and her husband, and one incident where a visitor was beaten by police and almost charged with battery, thanks to falsified police reports. And the sheriff's office allegedly didn't welcome the investigation. Prison officials are accused of obstructing access to inmate Anthony Brown after they discovered he was an informant for the FBI. Arrested in 2005 for armed robbery, Brown is serving 423 years to life. 2011 when his jailers confiscated his cell phone and found he was making calls to the FBI.
10: Brown said once his cover was blown, he was moved at the jail, had his name changed in the prison system, and was interrogated by deputies on whether he planned to testify in court.
3: Los Angeles County Sheriff Lee Baca, who has served four or five-year terms and is up for re-election this year, told reporters his department has fully cooperated with the federal investigation. Well, the indictments were not unexpected.
6: It is nonetheless. That day for this department. We do not tolerate misconduct by any deputies.
3: 16 of the indicted officers have already been taken into custody and are expected to be arraigned late Monday.